I caught a little grief the other day on the Taylor Strecker show for judgy comments about Disney adults. I'll admit, I don't really understand the appeal of going to a theme park without children, spending several hundreds of dollars standing in lines for rides, bathrooms, meals, in the sweltering heat, all in the name of the mouse. I don't get it. I don't. I don't have particularly intense or fond memories of watching Cinderella, Sleeping Beauty, Snow White, Beauty and the Beast. I mean, I like loved them, don't get me wrong, but I don't remember being like obsessive. I mean, The Little Mermaid was a bop, but I don't particularly remember being obsessed with Disney. And, you know, I mean, I liked it. There's not a huge pool of entertainment for children that's acceptable, but like, you know, I loved it enough. Taylor reminded me on the show that our friend and co-host Mackenzie Green is a self-identified Disney adult, which was sort of surprising to me, but not really that surprising. Mackenzie is so smart, so kind, and while juggling a very bossy, bossy, big-time job at Who, What, Where, she's also the daughter of a historical legend and seems to have a very good head on her shoulders. I mean, Mackenzie wakes up at like 5 o'clock in the morning. She works out every day. She didn't seem like a mess at her age that I was at a mess at her age or even now. So I could kind of see her spending her time you know, eating churros and delighting in, you know, mouse meet and greets. How many times have you been to Disneyland and or world? Do you mean this year or like in oh, general? Lord, honey. I meant in your life. In my lifetime? Okay, so we used to go as a family every Thanksgiving from the time I was maybe like six no, I had to been like five to, I'd say maybe 11 until my grandfather passed. Okay. So that was like our big family trip. I got into, so obviously I grew up in the world. My grandfather was a fan of Disney. My mom and I have been recently unpacking why we think he was a big Disney fan. And we really think we landed on the idea that it was one of the few places he could travel as a black man. Okay. Where he would get treated equally, right? So like my mom still has memories of like, having to use the green book to know where to stay on the route from Indiana to California. But once you got to Anaheim to Disney, it was yes, sir. No, sir. To my grandfather. And it was like, so like, I think that ingrained familial part of it, I think is why he was like, he rode so hard for the parks and why we used to go um, every year for Thanksgiving. Cause pretty much when we got old enough, my grandfather was like, we got to take my cousin and I are only three months apart in age and we're the twins. And it was basically like, we got to take the twins to Disney. So we would just go every Thanksgiving. It was like the thing. And then when I was like four, Disney did a movie about my dad. So then that was another layer of how I got around the park. So then That's all of a sudden pretty I was tight. You mean like an yeah. animated film about no, your dad? No, so they, or did, like they did um, a little like a Disney nine. original movie about it's called the Ernest Green story. And so like I oh, was like straight about your dad. Oh yeah, like straight about now, my they dad. They left the other eight out. Yeah, like they're in, like their names are included, but it's about him starring Morris Chestnut as my father, which is why I'll Whoa. never see Morris Chestnut Wait. as attractive. What? Yeah. 
Have you ever met <laughs> Morris Chestnut? Yes, we spent like the whole summer with him. Like I, for a long time, I thought Ossie Davis and Ruby D were my grandparents because Ruby played my grandmother and Ossie played my dad's grandfather because my grandfather had long passed by the time he was off to Central. So like I spent my entire summer when I was four years old in Little Rock filming the movie with like Morris Chestnut, Ossie Davis, Ruby, like this insane cast of people uh cuba's brother played my uncle scott yeah and so we were like in the movie so like my introduction to the world of disney was riding in a limo after the movie like before the movie premiered because michael eisner invited us to the park as a guest and so you're almost like rebel wilson Thanking Bob Iger for setting yeah, up for her, her, yeah. oh, her engagement. Yeah. You just pulled out Michael Eisner. That's yeah. so OG. I'm so like dying. my in, so like my introduction in the nineties, like my first real cogent memory of Disney was like coming up to the parks, holding my parents' hand, seeing this man behind the closed gates with Mickey Mouse and Minnie. And I think I literally my mom says I asked her, like, what does he do? Like at four. And she was like, he's the he's the head of Disney. And like and I think that was when I started. So like I sit in a Disney adultness in two ways as a fan and then like being convinced since the time I was four that like the goal is to be the CEO of the Walt Disney Corporation. Okay, hold on a second. Yeah. One thing about (laughs) me is, you know, I don't like to do anything gen pop. Yeah. And I think that's my real issue with Disney is I only want to go if I go like. 23 See, stories you, you want need... like you want like a plaid coat like you want to go and you want like a plaid like that's what you want. what do you what is a plaid coat mean? so a plaid coat are the vip tour guides of the park correct so like so when you're on site if you see a plaid coat that's either very wealthy people or famous people mm-hmm. like if you see a plaid vest, that's what i want that's, that's what, what you i want. want yeah but you started your disney yeah. experience plaid yes. coat Yes, like and like plaid coat on steroids, like like Michael Eisner before the park opened being like, welcome. Like, I still remember my first Broadway. Sh- well, no, it wasn't my first Broadway show, but like around the same time the movie had finished, they were starting Disney on Broadway. And so Beauty and the Beast. Oh, I mean, we went a tale as, as old like, this time. Right. And we went as like Mr. Eisner's guest and we sat in his seat and like. So when people are like, oh, you love Broadway, I'm like, yeah, but you have to understand, like, my first real introduction to Broadway are like two things, which is like going backstage during Jesus Christ Superstar and meeting like Sir Andrew Lloyd Webber and also like sitting front row and having them like sing at Michael Eisner and being like, these people are here for me. Oh, my God. So like my my and cognizant like, ideas. Guest. Wait. Yeah. So how can you ever go back? The problem is for me is like when I do things like that, I have yeah. no interest. Like it's just got to stay peak. Do you still get the plaid coat experience? No. Like here's the thing. I so obviously I had that wild experience, but then we would go as like regular regular people when we went as a family. I mean, I hate to during, bring it to you. You ain't never in your goddamn I have, life I have been regular. Been regular. regular. You I am never. Regular as hell. I hate to break it to you, friend. You are am, not regular, regular. I, I refuse to accept that. I am so regular. But yeah, we were just like regular family going and having a good time when we would go. What's your favorite ride? Oof. Now, see, now you're asking a hard question because 
here's where I don't count as a real Disney adult. When I go to Orlando, I don't like going to Disney. I like going to Universal. So my favorite ride there that's not new what ride. this episode is about. I know. I'm sorry. We, ain't, cro- I just, we ain't crossing studios. <laughs> fine. You know? Fine. I would say, hands down, my favorite is probably Tower of Terror. Hmm. Not a just small, good, small world? No, because I have good memories of like my mom and my aunt being miserable on Tower of Terror. And it's just like anything that just upsets my family. I is love. Tower of Terror Disneyland or Disney World? Uh, that's Disney World. So what's your Same favorite thing Disneyland? Like, ooh, Disneyland. So I'm a massive Marvel fan. So I love the Guardians of the Galaxy, which is basically they took Tower of Terror and turned it into like a Marvel themed ride. And then I like uh, the Incredicoaster because I love roller coasters. None of that speaks Disney to. I thought you were going to say like Cinderella's. No, like that's but that's what I like. See, but this is why I laughed when you were like, "I want you to come on and talk about being a Disney adult," and I was like, "I'm a horrible Disney adult. Like, I'm not in the like. I'm not. I I own one pair of ears, and they're Black Panther themed. That's tight. Exactly. Exact. The moment they came out, I like saw them online, and I was like, "Oh shit, I gotta go get these." Do you ever go like Halloween or Christmas time? That's where I feel like. Oh, hell yeah. Halloween is great. I went, so I went this year on Halloween. I went to the Halloween party. And the reason the Halloween you party was You went to dope, the Halloween party like a, yeah. like a fancy thing or like no, general they literally, regular No, people. it's like you have to like buy tickets and this whole thing. Oh, boy. And I went because what makes it fun is because it was on a Monday. The kids are there to see the characters. All the thrill rides, I got on those with no line. I was riding the same roller coaster like 14 times and t- 10 different spots i'd be like put me in the front can i ride in the back can i get in the middle can i ride that row the people were like okay and then um i loved that they had a headless horseman i literally waited till nine o'clock to be like that was nice that was nice and then left <laughs> i think what really overwhelms me about it well i mean there's so many things I, there's I a was, lot to be overwhelmed by there's a lot to be overwhelmed by i was pers- i felt personally attacked and offended by Rebel Wilson's um, branded engagement. I keep talking about this so publicly and I'm dying because we very much have a very, very close friend in common. I'm I'm also fairly certain I was at the park the day it happened. Like Like a week ago? No, like I was there a week ago. But like when she posted the photo, I was like, I think I passed where this was because there was like a crowd because obviously when special stuff is happening, people are like, what is that? Famous people who's coming? And I was just there to like, Ride one ride. I've talked about this on the Taylor Strucker show, but like truly the branded Tiffany's, oh, the yeah. Bob Iger thank you of it all, the tagging, it really, you know, you and I both as debutantes, <laughs> I, it was so tacky and tasteless on levels that I can't understand. Oh, yeah. Now, people spend a lot of money getting married at Disney. Like they want to be in the Cinderella. Oh, yeah. Um, Uh, horse-drawn carriage you know i was reading a reddit thread that has actually been since removed i don't know if you're familiar with this but they were not they were going they were foregoing catering for their guests and they were going to let their guests buy their food i heard about this so that they could have a special appearance by mickey and minnie which is like how much does mickey and minnie cost and a shit ton really i had so so i so i went to school in miami and my roommate was born and raised in Orlando. She's one of my best friends. She, subsequ- she went on to become, 
as you call them, a close personal friend of the mermaid. So she and she's like she literally looks like a Disney princess when you see her. What do you mean a personal close friend of a mermaid? Because you can't say that you portray or portray a character. So she was a close personal friend of the mermaid. And because you can't you can't freak out kids and be like, I'm I'm. Ariel and they're like no you're yeah, not but you have to say I'm Ariel when you're getting paid and you're sweating so when you're when in you're Orlando, in costume when you're in costume you're the character you gotta commit. When you're out of it you're a, a close personal friend okay and so then she also went to school for hospitality so she worked for the wedding side and she was like and she and I used to laugh about like how much it cost like to a point that she was like the things that people will prioritize for a Disney wedding I'm sure if we like took it to Italy, the way people prioritize food, she's like the way people will prioritize like, I don't care if we have an ADA compliant ramp for grandma that costs extra money. I don't need to like have the cake. I can have cupcakes. It was like, but I have to have like Mickey and Minnie or I have to have like Donald and Daisy present. Mm, I think I would take Donald and Daisy over Mickey. That's my thing. I would take Daisy's a bad bitch. Daisy is a real bad bitch. Now, what's your favorite Disney movie? You st- you talk Oof. about Marvel and a lot of stuff. I don't. That's very new. But see, to Marvel. Me. But Marvel is to me, it's Disney. But it's but I'd not say like, at all. I would never. I'd say, but <laughs> it's owned by the Disney company. It's a Disney movie. Girl, a lot is. Pff, pff, a lot of it is on. Everything's owned by Disney, but it doesn't mean it's Disney. I mean, then I'd say Hercules. That was like the first Disney movie. What? I was like, yeah. What? What yes. are you talking about right yes. now? Yes. Hercules? Have you ever? I'd say Hercules and a Goofy movie are tied. I don't know. Have you ever seen that Atlanta episode where they're like, Goofy movie is the blackest movie ever made? Yes, I have seen. Yeah, that's literally like every time I watch it, I'm like, agreed, agreed. Hercules? Yes. Have you ever watched that? I mean, I I think the problem is similar to a few does. So I was a little too old for a few Disney movies. You know what I mean? Like I, yeah. the cutoff happened. Hercules, when did that come out? Hercules is like 98 late? something like Yeah, like 98. Like Nah, I was 90- smoking I was smoking I was stealing my 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 grandma's parliament lights. No, not in chance. 98 I was fucking doing all bad shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was wearing yeah. eyeliner and I had a Kate Spade bag. And I had a North Face puffy coat and I was a bad, I was a bad bitch. I was, I was obsessed with the concept. I remember the first time I watched Hercules, I was like, I get this, that it was like his father's a god, his mother's a god, like on Mount Olympus and he's just sitting down here on earth trying to. Who was the main voice of that? Anybody big? <sighs> I Let's can't remember, it but I know um, Danny DeVito was the voice of Philoctetes. I mean, okay, 1997, so I wasn't quite smoking yet. Oh, my God, that's right. You know who it is? I do remember this. You know who was Hercules? Who? Donnie Osmond, right? Donovan. (laughs) Oh, wow. Tate fucking Donovan. Who, what a a random, I just remember he dated, I think, Jennifer Aniston for some time. I I don't know. That's I wouldn't even, in the words of Kiki Palmer, I wouldn't even know that man. He could walk down the street and I wouldn't know who he was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, Hercules, what a curveball. Didn't see that coming. Thought you thought you I might... was going to say like a Disney princess. Mm, no. <laughs> I thought you were going to go kind of more like um, Moana. 
No, because that's like recent. Like I, I love and appreciate Moana. I think it's really dope to see like, I, I think like, that's what makes Disney kind of cool is when you go and you see characters now, like these new characters that exist in other minority groups and you like, so like I'm a huge Marvel fan and I, whenever like a new character gets introduced into the MCU, they bring that character to the park. I can still remember every second of watching a little kid in a Shang-Chi outfit, a little Asian kid run into the park, run to the balcony because Shang-Chi was being like welcomed to the park that day. And I just remember thinking like, well, this is fucking dope. And I feel the same way when I see like the girl who dresses as Moana or like when I go now around the Halloween season when they have like Coco and watching that or like when Encanto First happened. Of all, Coco and watching- got me. Yo. Oh. I took an edible. I had just <laughs> produced New York Beauty Con, which was the worst thing ever. I was like, I'm quitting this job. This is the worst job I've ever had. I don't even like beauty anymore. This has ruined it for me. And I got on this plane. I was hungover. I was tired. I was exhausted. I could. I was at the Javits Center for four days straight. I mean, there's nothing not worse. easy. And I got on the plane and I sat next to this girl named Mallory, who's kind of weird. She ended up quitting. And I was like, I think she was like, I have an edible. And I was like, you know what? <laughs> Why not? And we shared headphones, like Apple headphones, one on each. Oh, my God. And we sat and we timed it like with our TVs right at the same time and watched Coco. I was a mess. I sobbed. Coco really, oh. for me, touched me deeply. In Kanto, I also have, oh, I also actually happened to be on edibles and I had my booster shot, my COVID booster shot and I watched it and I was convinced that it was real people with Instagram filters. <laughs> have you ever seen those Instagram filters? Yeah, though, for- no, I know exactly what you're It's uncanny. About, yeah. I'm sorry. Listen, I know I sound like a dodo right now, but it is wild. They really look like, I think that's my I've, only I thing. like, Encanto got, me for the the sister Luisa who does all the like taking care of everybody and like recently I who the I lesbian talked about, she's not a lesbian but the I one was, that's like, like I pick up every, like yeah whatever. she picks up but like I yeah. when my dad got really really sick and he was in the hospital and like we I've been helping a lot with stuff and I'm always trying to explain to my family like how tired I am from like trying to shoulder everything and so I was home during the spring for a different family emergency. And I was like playing Encanto and we got to that song and like to surface pressure and I had closed captions on and my mom like looks over and I'm crying and she was like, oh my God, is this, is this how you feel? So like now whenever I'm like doing stuff for everybody, they'll be like, okay, Louisa, you don't have to hold, like you, you can let us hold some stuff oh, no, now. They calling you Louisa and everything. Wow. Yeah. Okay. All right, Louisa. I'll, I'll take note of that. Yeah. That's wow. Yeah. Okay. It's a real, it's a really good, like the whole point, like, I don't know. I've heard, I've seen a lot of videos of like oldest siblings, like g- have being deep in their feelings, listening to it. And as the reliable sibling, like the first time I heard it, I was like, oh my God, wow. Somebody yeah. nailed what this feels like in, I hear like, that. Yeah, for in sure. a snappy little three minute song. Now I like that, you know, it's interesting. It's, you've gone through such a trajectory as a Disney adjacent we'll say right (laughs) being ushered into the park at four years old by the president and ceo um having your a movie made you know produced about your father that's pretty i mean the morris chestnut of it all i don't know how i'm gonna (laughs) recover i'm trying to keep the show going but it's really it's a lot you're hitting me with a lot (laughs) but like (sighs) 
Is there anything that if you could be the CEO of Disney? Yeah. What would you change about the parks? Oh, my God. Uh, I mean, I would probably do stuff that's a little bit more ADA compliant. Like, it's already pretty accessible now, but I wish there was um, recently, who was it? I think it was Legoland. Like, they released... Um, as part of the parks, they have stuff for people on autism spectrum that explains like sensory wise, like where this ride is rated. I wish that existed That's at Disney. Tight. That's really yeah. cool. That I they think it's do amazing. That. That's really cool. I wish cool. that existed at all parks where they kind of said like, hey, this is like a like a five on the touch scale, a six on the noise, like that kind of stuff. Um, the other is like I would definitely pay cast members more. I don't think they get paid enough for the shit they have to deal with. It's kind of like the plaid coats, for example. That's an inc- I think it's like ten thousand an hour for something crazy for the the ho- but like those kids still get paid like minimum wage yeah. to be so they they rely on tips. And I wish that was disclosed more that like hey these cast members deserve a little bit more credit. Have you been in twenty three stories? Which what you mean the Club thirty rest- three? Oh yeah, that's it. See, I don't even know. <laughs> what it's called no i've never been in there i've stared at it i know where the door is you know what's funny so i've talked to some people that have been inside (sighs) and i hear it's kind of whack i mean i've heard the same thing but it's it's like like who doesn't want to go inside of it i feel like we got to make this happen yeah it's like like if anyone's that i want to know here's the thing i only want that's the pro i only want to go to disneyland if it's exclusive yeah i mean listen this is why i am the de facto plaid coat of everybody in my life like people come to the, come to town and they're like, I want to go to Disney. Take me to Disney because I know all the. So how many times have you gone and, every year? We didn't even answer the first question. Oh, how many times have I? Oh God. How many times I do mean, you typically go per year to Disney? I'm definitely going at least once a month. What? Yeah, I have an annual pass. Girl, once a month. Yeah. So with what? the cost Doesn't of it the get level, boring. Doesn't he oh, ever no. done the same thing no, over so, and over? So like next month is the food and wine festival. So oh, okay. like, right. yeah. So like, I'll probably go next month to try out the new food. New food drops every month. There's like new she seasonal said dishes. New food drops. Don't they not have alcohol? Isn't there no oh, alcohol in Disney? Absolutely not, girl. If you go over to DCA, people are getting wasted. Like they have some of the best cocktails in town. Over in there. Disney. I thought it was yes. in, across the way in Adventure World. No, no. You go over to Disney California Adventure. They got all kinds of sneaky ass cocktails over there. Like if you go down a YouTube rabbit hole, there are people whose entire YouTube presence is just here's what food is at Disney this week. I thought it was just turkey legs. Oh, girl, no. Now over at Disneyland, where I don't really like to frequent a lot because it's loud. It's crazy. Half the rides don't work. The only thing I like over there is Star Wars. But like they have turkey legs, the standard Dole Whip, all that stuff. Like it's good. They have good food. Like I went recently because for Black History Month, they did like a soul food brunch. So I went over there to have a soul food brunch on a Sunday morning and got on three rides. And then I went home. So like, are you trying, like, would you meet a dude there? Like, what if like a Disney adult dude was like, yo, let me holler at you. Would you be like, this is cool? Or would you be like, I gotta, I, I gotta be the only Disney adult in the I don't, relationship. I don't think you need two Disney adults. Like I've been on a date with a guy who like had a Disney credit card, had an annual pass and was like, let's go. Yeah. And was like, let's go to the park for a date. But it was just like, it was one of those strange things where also I'm like, I have my routine. I like to, I'm about to say a term that you're gonna be like, what the fuck? I like to rope drop. So I like to be there when the park opens. Mm. <laughs> 
I don't like to be there late at night. I don't want to be there when people are melting down, when families have had enough. What the time does it open? Off. So technically it opens at eight, but you can get into the park at 730. I love it. How are you even? Well, you wake up really early. But yeah, like, I wake up really early. I delight in it. I love but a road also, drop. Don't you got to go on the weekends because of your job? Like, here's the thing. I go on the weekends. If it's like I once had an exceptionally stressful day for work. So I literally worked from the park. Like legit took my laptop, all my stuff. They got Wi-Fi. I found a nice little quiet corner. I was on calls all day. Then in between calls, I close my laptop, go get on a ride. I hate to break it to you, but I think you're definitely like a Disney adult. Oh, yeah. Listen, I'm the first person to say I'm absolutely a Disney adult. Okay, okay, okay. Now, am I like taking, now am I like pushing children out of the way to take a picture with Mickey? Am I Disney bounding? <laughs> no. <laughs> Yeah, because you don't have to because you already have plenty of photos of you. Like and my Nikki. thing is like there's stuff there that's fun and I enjoy it. I'm also like life is incredibly short. Like memento more like live like do the things that make you happy. Sure. But simultaneously, I'm also like, yeah, this is fucking weird. Like I'm the first person to be in line when they're like, how many people? I need one rider, and I'm like me, and everybody looks at you like you're crazy. And oh, you're so like, you go solo, bolo? Absolutely, solo, dolo. I don't need people slowing me down. I got a system. Also, those tickets are expensive. So I'm not about to say to somebody else, do you want to come with me? Because I'm like, well, that's expensive. Like, that's weird. That's I mean, like, that's I like to go to the farmer's time. market alone. There you go. I guess it's that's the, the same. Way. Like, listen, I will go out there and get my steps in. I have been known to literally, because I have this pass, be like, all right, I'll just fucking go out there, walk the perimeter of the park, head back on out. But it's a drive. At the time I go, it's um, like 15, 20 minutes. To get there? Oh, yeah. Oh, from, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wow. 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 Okay. All right. I'm also just dying that you don't even call it the Disneyland. You just call it the park. Yeah, the park. Yeah, you don't even got to put the Disney in it. No. So, like, if you went to France or Tokyo, would you go to Disneyland there? I mean, when we went to Paris, did I drag my family to Disney? Yes. Did we hate oh, every second it. of it? Oh, absolutely. Oh, my God. I mean, now, did we hate every second of it? Sure. Did Why? I is it worse than what's the difference? Well, because the service wasn't as great. It was freezing cold when we were there. Like, there was also a strike on the subway. So we had to take like an Uber all the way there. Listen, my family made it very clear to me that they were like, we hate this. And I was like, I love that you guys are so miserable. Like, and then it just became fun because they were like, we hate it. And I was like, well, now I like it because everybody is having the worst time of their life. Wow. I just, it's an expensive habit. It's a very expensive habit. But like my mom said to my cousin, when uh, my oldest cousin, they were here for Christmas and I took everybody out to Universal, took everybody to Disney, just as like a fun thing. And my cousin kind of like said to my mom, like, oh, my mom goes, listen, it's an expensive vice. But of all the vices for her to have in a city like this, I'll take this in books any day. Whilst reading Apple News in bed on Saturday this past weekend, I stumbled on an article about Jeff Wrights, who went to Disneyland for a consecutive 2,995 days, which totals eight years, three months, and 13 days. He won the Guinness Book of World Records for attending Disneyland consecutively the most out of anybody ever. And I was like, damn, I got a lot of questions for Jeff. I am very, very curious about this. So naturally, I DM'd him. And it sounds like I'm one of the first of many interviews that Jeff has this week 
but you can suck at CNN because I got to him first. I have to tell you, I'm just, I have so many questions. Like, I mean, eight years of Mm -hmm. going, so you went every single day, seven days a week for eight years. Yep. Rain or shine. No matter, and was there anywhere during that time? Because you can't travel. You can't go anywhere except for Disney in that time. Yeah, but that's the glory. Remember what Walt wanted to do was have a central location. And he did just that. Anaheim is so central that I was able to do stuff from all the way down to San Diego, all the way up to Santa Barbara, out to Palm Springs, and go to Disneyland on the same day. I was even scuba diving in the Channel Islands. I love that. How long, like, was it, you know, sometimes would you just, like, have to check off a box and go over for a coffee and leave, or? No, my minimum was still at least an hour. Um, I was, uh, you know, because the whole thing, I wasn't doing it just to earn the record. When I started this, I had no idea or even a thought about going for a Guinness record. Um, That's just something that snowballed later on. But because I wanted to do it for fun, and, you know, for my, my own self, I didn't want to, you know, dip my toes in the pond and walk away. I wanted to actually go in and go for a swim each time. Are you a lifelong Disney fan? Yeah, I, I would say you could say that. I mean, I was raised watching, you know, Disney cartoons, movies. My favorite movie is still Tron from 1982. Okay. You know, and then I got my first annual pass in 2002. Did my uh, first trip to Walt Disney World. My aunt was a cast member at the time, and we went there from Christmas 03 to New Year's Day 04. And I made my only warm water scuba dive in the Epcot Aquarium. Wow. You, so you were a cast member? No, I wasn't, but my aunt was. Your aunt yeah. was. Okay, sorry. And, and back in high school, my brother was at Disneyland. What was he a close friend of? Uh, he actually wasn't a close friend. He was um, in custodial and, and busing. Love it. So what does he think about you holding the Guinness world record of attendance at Disneyland? He's given me his congratulations. Uh, he's back in Ohio now, so he watches from afar. But uh, when he, he now has two little girls of his own. So when they come to visit, they like to go to Disney. So now has Disney reached out to you? Like, do you get like a cool pair of special <laughs> ears? Like, Jeff, I th- feel like you deserve a plaid vest or something at this point. As for special ears, when I hit day 2000 back in 2017, they actually gave me a set of ears that had my uh, date embroidered on the back. That's cool. But uh, since I got the uh, Guinness last week, no, I have not heard from Disney at all. But it's still soon. It's still soon. It's only been a week, you know. And you're about to go on this podcast, which will obviously catapult you to extreme (laughs) fame. So, you know, you never know. The whole idea about the Guinness World Record title has been, for me, personal frosting on the cake because I didn't file for it. Guinness reached out to me through Instagram on my DMs and said, hey, we want to do an article on you on our website. Can you send us an email? And uh, we have some uh, questions and answers we'd like you to fill out. And so I did. And the next day when I'm going to look at the Q&A form on the top of it says, Congratulations on earning your uh, world record title. And I was like, um, should I be filling this out? I never, I don't have a Guinness title because I never filed for it. And they said, actually, you do. It was filed as a consultancy record, meaning that one of the Guinness World Record consultants 
saw my record and deemed it worthy of a title and they put it together on the backside and presented it to me. Wow. So it was a real gift. And do you have a favorite ride? The Matterhorn bobsleds. Ever since I was little and growing up when I was in Boy Scouts, I was into rock climbing and we used to talk to the mountaineers when they'd come down off, off the mountain. I've just always loved the mountains in general. And so I've always enjoyed the Matterhorn. Now, Disney obviously evolves with the the times, right? I mean, we've I mean, now when you watch an animated Disney movie, I feel like I'm on mushrooms. I mean, it's like crazy. Like the people look real to me. I mean, in Kanto, it's crazy. Do you sort of now have to have like a current favorite Disney ride or attraction? Because obviously they have Marvel now. Um, well, or you you kind of keep it nostalgic to your childhood and your kind of growing up years. You know, I mean, I do have multiples that I love. I mean, if you want a new one, you can't beat one of the newer attractions that came out in 2019. And that would be Rise of the Resistance at Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. Okay. That is a complete e-ticket ride. Multiple levels, trackless. I mean, it's it's a great over-the-top attraction. Now, are you like, is it, are you done? Like now, because I feel like there are some people that get Guinness World Records and then they keep going for more. I've read about that. And now are you like, all right, tick that one off the box. Like now I'm going Disney World because this is an expensive habit, Jeff. Even more now. So because of the changes since COVID, anybody, I welcome any competitors and I always have the whole time. (laughs) You know, you figure it's going to take them at least, you know, eight years, three months and 14, 15 days. So that means having at least nine annual passes because of an annual pass being just that. It's uh, one pass per year. And every time you have to renew it or else you're paying cash prices. Well, with the new Magic Key system, the top, my top annual pass was about $1,400, so $1,400. The top Dream Key is now $1599, so $1,600. So it's gone up another $200. And it now has 20 blackout dates, meaning that if you want to go visit the park for those 20 days over Christmas, New Year's time frame, you're going to have to spend 20 days worth of parking at $30 a spot and 30 days of admission tickets. So even if you use $200 a day as your as your price, because it is you know, top tier pricing being the holidays, right? We're going to end up spending four to five thousand dollars just for parking admission to go every single day of a year, and that's, that's just for lot. the first year. Who knows what the prices would increase up to over those years? I mean, for myself, my APs ranged from about five hundred dollars back in twenty twelve up to fourteen hundred dollars in twenty twenty nineteen. It's a big jump. Yeah, exactly. It's a really big jump. Now, you know, they always say absence makes the heart grow fonder. Do you need a break from Disney? I have taken a break. I actually have not been back since I finished uh, back on Friday the 13th of March 2020 when COVID closed the gates on me. I've gotten uh, back into doing other activities, uh, hobbies like going scuba diving again and going hiking and actually getting to take trips outside the Southern California area. Where have you gone? Uh, took a trip uh, with my girlfriend for uh, her spring break last year. We went up the coast. We stayed in Lompoc and then went up uh, 101 through Big Sur and up towards Monterey and just kind of 
toured around uh, the coast area for a week. That's I'm from San Francisco, so I love that. And I live in L.A., but I love that drive. Yep. Oh, you're from Redwood City. I am. I was actually born in Redwood City, but I grew up since I was six months old down here in Heinz Beach. Okay. Um, My family, my dad grew up on the Presidio. My parents had their uh, wedding party at the NCO club. Oh, I love that. I got married right in Belvedere, right across the way. Yeah, my mom is from the Mission District. So oh, wow. So was SFPD, you know, downtown's walking beat for 30 years. Wow. So, yeah, I've got a lot of uh, family history in, in San Francisco area. You sure do. Now, is your girlfriend a Disney adult as well? <laughs> yes, that's actually, uh, we met online, but it was actually the fact that she had an annual pass was one of the pluses. And so we were, our first date was actually meeting at the park and, uh, we went and hit a couple of rides, and then we walked across the street and went to Pizza Press for dinner. And while we were sitting there, because it was one of the days when they had the Halloween party where Disneyland was closing early, I wanted to pop in right away. And so we got in, spent a couple hours there, uh, and then went across the street. And while we were finishing dinner, we got to watch the fireworks from across the street. And then we went over to California Adventure after we were done eating to have some more fun to continue the night for our first date. Sounds magical. Literally. (laughs) I feel like if there was anyone that should get married, not to put that on you, if there's already pressure, you guys should get married and have the whole Cinderella carriage ride experience. Would you be into that? You'd have to be. I feel like you would be. That's always one option. You know, there's different ideas in there that I have ticking in my head. Okay. But you never know. Who would you want to officiate? What character? Your potential wedding at Disneyland? Well, if I were to pick a character, I mean, it's a funny choice, literally. But my character that I've always connected with, and which turned into a running joke later on was Goofy, because both of us are tall, goofy guys. But then he's also when you look at his cartoons, he's into sports and the outdoors. He's done skiing, he's done rock climbing. True. You know, besides football, baseball, and all the traditionals. And those are activities that I've enjoyed myself. You know, being National Ski Patrol when I was up in Alaska, I do cross country and downhill skiing. I've done skydiving along with uh, my scuba diving and hiking and everything. And then when I was back in, in school and in high school, I was playing football, baseball, you know, and the other traditional type of sports, shot and disc and things. So just like Goofy does. You're a very well-rounded guy, Jeff. I, I try to be, you know, and then uh, the when I say about a joke was uh, when my girlfriend and I would go into the park, she used to joke about getting pictures and send them to me that she was with her, uh, her Goofy boyfriend. And it would be a picture of like her and Goofy. <laughs> I like that. She has a sense of humor. So I love to ask, what's your favorite Disney snack? I bounce around between ice cream, Dole Whips, churros. You know, it just depends on what I feel like. You know, even the pretzels I, I enjoy. But ch- between Dole Whips and ice cream are my favorite. I like, there used to be a uh, snack that was off the menu you could get over at the Golden Horseshoe. That was ice cream nachos, where uh, they would actually take like a waffle bowl and break it up into your nachos and then put scoops of ice cream and the chocolate sauce and other toppings and stuff on top of it. So that was a really tasty one. Yeah, it was. I love nachos. This is (laughs) my my brain is blowing. That is crazy. (laughs) 
Yeah. That's a one. Okay. All right. Last question. What's the most surprising thing you learned either about yourself or about like park culture during your eight years at the parks? Park culture, I kind of had an idea, but you really learn that there are a lot of different people that love the park. And there's so many different ways to love the park. You know, for example, I'm not one to get dressed up. Wearing my polo shirt that I have for work is on the dress up side. Whereas when it comes time for dapper days, you look at some of those folks and the way that they get dressed up. Or you look at uh, some of the Disney bounders and how the outfits that they put together, like when you go to the expos, like the D23 Expo and stuff like that. There's so much neat stuff. I mean, I have a follower that, you know, just started following me again recently that her and her daughter were actually just at Disneyland this past weekend. And every day they were coordinating little outfits, you know, like mom was Donald Duck and uh, her little daughter was Daisy, you know, and so they were dressing up, looking like these characters and bounding as they went through the park. And I think it's awesome that everyone's able to enjoy the magic in their own way. Yeah, that's true. Wait, were you working the whole time you were doing this? I uh, almost the whole time. When I first started, I was unemployed. Okay. But um, I did pick up temporary jobs the first few months here and there. Um, And then in September of 2012, I started working here at the Long Beach VA hospital, helping my fellow veterans. And I've been here since then. So. Basically, it was only the first eight months that I didn't have a permanent full-time job. So um, how? So you have to go before or after work, basically. Exactly. And so with I normally work a day shift, so I would get off about three thirty, make the fifteen-mile drive over to the park, and then I was usually getting into the park. If I took my time, I'd enter in right about five o'clock as the crows would fly. I look forward to enjoying a Dole Whip. Uh, and then an ice cream nachos whilst <laughs> um, on It's a Small World After All. And I will think about you for sure. Definitely. First of all, Jeff is a lovely multidimensional man. I did not see the scuba diving coming. And I don't think you did either, but I was very into it. Um I started to research Disney adults further, which led me to TikTok. There is a kind of a um, a divide. There are the ones that are obviously Disney adults. And, you know, I think every group of people has a home on TikTok. And then there are the kind of the like anti-Disney adults, which obviously I sort of I don't I'm not anti, but I kind of identify with the humor. But in all of this, I stumbled on an article on Rolling Stone, written by E.J. Dixon, who's a senior writer there. And she's written on the subject quite a bit. And you'll hear in a moment, she is a self-described and anointed Disney adult. As a queer Jewish woman, her relationship with her love affair of the brand is a really interesting one. And her knowledge and expertise in subcultures gives her a really interesting and I think a very balanced point of view on her relationship with the brand. So as a self-identified Disney adult, how was it writing a whole article for Rolling Stone about it? Like, did you feel like you were biased or you could actually tell the tale? No, I I felt like because I am a Disney adult, like I was in a position where I could act, like I see both sides of it, you know? I see the 
side of it where people think that Disney adults are cringe and weird and obsessive and all the stuff that people love to say about the fandom. But I also see how it also provides people with an outlet to sort of escape from their everyday lives and how necessary that is considering how stressful the world is. So I think I think I I think I'm sort of in a unique position where I can kind of see all sides of the discourse, so to speak. What like what's the feeling that you get when you go specifically to like a Disney park? (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) I don't even know if I can like put it into words. It's just this blend of like nostalgia because I spent my childhood, you know, with my family going and it was like one of the few times that everybody was, you know, would sort of get along and be happy. And there's also like this weird sense of purpose that like, I feel there. like, I'm not the kind of Disney adult who likes to just like hang out in the parks and like soak up the atmosphere. I'm like very goal oriented. I'm like, okay, we're gonna wake up at 6am. We're gonna log on to Genie plus at like exactly seven, we're gonna get this ride and this ride. And we're gonna, you know, this is the strategy that we're gonna map out like at the parks. Um, So it's this weird combination of like, I have a very sentimental attachment to the parks, obviously, but like, it also fulfills the like type A, um, you know, hyper motivated part of myself as well. How often do you go? I mean, as often as I can really like now that I, um, you know, I'm a working parent and I now I have two kids. I just had another baby so um congratulations thank thank you very much that's no easy feat working in editorial and publishing having two kids so uh, yes i i agree with that assessment (laughs) very strongly um so i think i'm probably gonna make it less often than i used to i mean i yeah it really depends because it's obviously so expensive like it's really like cost prohibitive sure Um, so like I did just basically like there was a point where I was going this was like 10 years ago though when it was much easier to do this like where we were going like every year got it or so um but now it's just basically like whenever I can sneak it in whenever I get a chance and it's and it's definitely harder to do so considering how expensive the parks are what's a Disney film that you were most excited to share with your child or both children or you know I mean you just had a baby so I don't know if they're quite ready for Disney, but maybe. But what's a film that you were so excited to share with your children? Oh, my God. My oldest son is a Disney freak. He's oh. like, that's like probably the the biggest thing that I've passed on to him slash the worst thing that I've passed on to him is like he is obsessed with all things Disney. Um, it's kind of a problem. <laughs> uh, what was the movie? Well, my favorite movie of all time, like not even like my favorite Disney movie, like my favorite movie of all time is Mary Poppins. So I think I was probably mm, you know, strong, strong choice, EJ, strong choice. Yeah. What about not animated? As as, not as big a fan as I am, but he's, he likes Mary Poppins. Um, Animated. Oh, that's a hard one because he loves them all so much. His favorite is The Little Mermaid, but I wouldn't say that's my favorite. What's your favorite? Oh, I, I really I have to think about it. It's like so hard. It's like. Top three. Um, I have a renewed appreciation for The Lion King that I did not have when I was a child. Uh, Beauty and the Beast was probably my favorite as a child. But now, you know, in light of the complex gender dynamics and relationship dynamics like that are sort of problematic in retrospect, um, 
I would say my favorite's probably The Lion King. I have a renewed appreciation for the music and and the story and the craftsmanship of that one. It's a that's a pretty solid one. That's one of my top three. I would say if I were to have to choose, and then. What's your feeling on like just the the visual difference being such a Disney fan and clearly, you know, growing up with it, obviously your fam you know, you guys went as a family to the parks, but I I find the new visuals of like an Encanto or a Coco jarring in relation to what we grew up with. Obviously, animation evolves, like technology evolves, but I find it like hard to con I I don't know. I, I find it hard to concentrate. Do you like it? better, more different, it's incomparable? It's an interesting question. I think it's it's hard to get used to, for sure, if you're so steeped in, like, the traditional animation style. Um, but obviously, like, I love Pixar, and I grew up with Pixar and, like, the computer-generated animation as well because I came of age, like, age-wise, I'm sort of bridging the gap between the two, Okay, I guess. Um, but, I mean, I think that just generally speaking, like, this is something that Disney adults will always say, you know, when there's like a big change made in the park or a big change made in the company, like Walt never imagined Disney to be like a static thing. Like Disney's always ever evolving, ever changing, like keeping up with the times. And it's kind of like a weird thing to say about a brand, <laughs> but, um, or, or a guy like Walt, who obviously has a very complex legacy, but um, I think it's really true. I mean, I think if you really are a passionate Disney fan, then you that's what you appreciate the most about the company and that's what you appreciate the most about the brand you know just the way that they're constantly changing and evolving with the times and even if you know if something deviates from like how you remembered it as a child you know you appreciate it on its own terms and i think i i think that's what really separates like the good disney adults quote unquote from the bad disney adults like that willingness to accept the new and the novel and the different and the interesting would you say that there's actually like a there's like rifts between Disney adults now? I mean, now I think with like TikTok, Absolutely. what do you think the biggest rift between Disney adults today is? Like, what is the major divide? Well, there are a lot of like internecine rifts, like people who, you know, were it, it sort of goes back. I, I would say the biggest one is sort of what go, goes back to what I was saying before. Um, and I think the renovation of splash mountain is like kind of a perfect example of it like there were people disney traditionalists and disney purists who were really opposed to splash mountain being revamped and being made into uh what is it tiana's bayou adventure that's the name of it i think that's the name of it because they were just so attached to like the ride itself and the attraction and what it meant and then there was another group of people and i would very strongly include myself in this category who was like you know what that ride is problematic. Like, you know, that that ride probably shouldn't have existed in the first place. You know, it was based on this movie that nobody really, this IP that nobody really cared about, um, that, uh, you know, was controversial at the time for its depiction of race relations. They really only, like, made Splash Mountain because they needed to recycle, like, these animatronics from this pre-existing attraction, which was called America Sings. Like there was really like I as much as you might be attached to Splash Mountain, like there was really no reason for it to exist. And there's really no reason why in 2023 it should exist now. And Disney was all about evolving with the times and the times have changed. And if this ride is hurtful to people, then we should get rid of it. And I think that's probably the biggest rift in the fandom. The people who are so attached to Disney and the brand and what it means um, and what it meant 
um, at the expense of, you know, evolving with the times or changing and the people who are who are more open to it. As a writer, you know, covering a myriad of things, do you feel like the Disney of it all? Like, do you think it shapes kind of how you interpret culture, like at large? Or can it shapes you how I interpret Disney. <laughs> yeah, well, say, fair enough. Yeah, I would say it's sort of the opposite because I don't exclusively write about Disney. I'm not a theme parks writer. I wish I wrote about Disney more, but uh, and I pitch it whenever I get the opportunity. But um, I'm like an internet culture writer. Like I, I am in a very different space. I'm in the space of like um, subcultures in the far right and like extremist weirdness and um, I, the culture wars. It was a really interesting time when um, Disney was such a prominent part of the culture wars like a year or two ago with the Don't Say Gay bill and how um, Chapek, you know, dropped the ball on that, on his handling of that, because it was kind of like an intersection of two of my interests. So I would say I would say that my experience like covering the far right and covering extremism kind of like informs my view of Disney because I feel like I'm sort of able to understand slightly better like how they're trying to position themselves in the culture wars as a result. As a queer woman myself and as somebody who thinks a lot about, you know, the intersection of queer identity and being a Disney fan, I mean, I can tell you that Disney has alienated the queer community for the past 50 years in various ways and it hasn't had an impact at all on the fandom okay fair Um, enough i mean like disney really has yet to fully embrace the gay community in a profound way i mean we can talk about this for hours and hours but like they were denying that gay days were that were a thing i don't think they've still fully like i don't think they've said like on the record fully like gay days are a thing at our park and this is like a corporate sponsored or endorsed event um, you know, there hasn't really been until recently any conversation about like an LGBTQ character and all the efforts to feature LGBTQ characters uh, have been really disappointing in a lot of the animated features. I, I mean, it's really only been until very, very recently that Disney has even accepted the idea that gay people are exist or that gay people or more importantly, you know, for their from their vantage point, that that they're a sector of the demographic to be marketed to explicitly. Um, Is that hard for you as a Disney fan and as a queer woman? Yeah, of course it's hard. Yeah. Of course it's hard. It's it, it's very complicated being a Disney fan and being a progressive. <laughs> right. It's a very it's a very weird position to be in because the company is not progressive, you know, in many, many ways. I think that they've sort of figured out how to like adopt the corporate vernacular of progressivism to some limited degree. Um, you know, they'll they'll do like Pride Month Target collaborations and shit like that. But uh, it's not a progressive company. It's in, you know, at its and I wrote about this, I think, in the piece, like it's at its heart a very conservative company mm-hmm. for many, many, many reasons, like, you know, Main Street. Take Main Street, for instance, like Main Street was developed with the idea in mind of hearkening back to like a very whitewashed version of like Americana. And, you know, we can talk for hours about like what that version of Americana like looks like and whether or not it includes people of color and and LGBTQ people and Jewish people like myself. And that's not even going into like (laughs) the stuff about Walt, you know, being an anti-communist and Mm -hmm. And his legacy. Um, it's a very conservative company. It's a very conservative brand. I think it always will be. And at its heart. 
And it's very hard as a progressive to to um, acknowledge that and also like maintain a love for the brand for sure. Yeah. It's a complicated thing. I mean, listen, I live and die by rap music and as a queer woman (laughs) and as a queer person, traditionally rap music from the 90s, which is what I tend to listen to because I'm stuck there is not exactly friendly, but I like love it. Yeah, it's the same thing. Yeah. It's the same. You know what I mean? I mean, it's very similar. You can't be a perfect consumer of culture. Like, and I've sort of given up on trying. <laughs> that's a that's fair. That's really, really, really fair. But I guess you can't deny that if you go into the park or if you watch your favorite film or if you're rediscovering the Lion King with your son, like that joy, that's yours, you know? Absolutely. It's not anybody else's. And I think, and it's complicated because I, I, I do, well, I, I was saying earlier, you can't be a perfect consumer of culture at the same time. Like, I do believe very strongly in voting with your dollar. Like, I'm a big Harry Potter fan and I'm not going to buy Hogwarts Legacy because I think the J.K. Rowling is a transphobe and I don't want to support her. You Mm -hmm. know, could I make the same argument about going to Disney and subscribing to Disney Plus and getting Disney merch and Disney toys? Absolutely. They have done things that I do not agree with. But at the same time, it's sort of a slippery slope, right? Because you can't, I mean you know, universal supported, uh, you know, don't say gay too. Yep. you know, like the, every brand, every company, you know, in the capitalist world, like does things that I'm not going to agree with. So where am I going to draw that line? You know, and I think it's kind of an ever evolving question. You know, I, I, I don't think I have an answer to it. I don't think anybody has an answer to it. No, I don't think anybody has an answer to it. I, don't, I think and I also think our society right now, the way that it's set up, it, it's they it's very difficult to not wrestle with that and not to kind of ha- in some ways have to support, you know, like fucking oil is trapped. Like the way like oil mining is awful. Like, but I need to drive my car. Exactly. You can't. There's no <laughs> I live in Glendale. I have to. I like how am I going to get to West Hollywood if I don't have a car? You know what I mean? There's, there's no public transportation under capitalism is basically what it comes down to. And I think Disney is like the perfect example. If I'm being honest. I kind of want to go to Disneyland. I, I, listen, I know. I, I got to see what the fuss is all about. I'm a little worried about the parking and the heat and the lines and the screaming children, not babies, the screaming children in strollers, which I am going to judge. I am. And don't expect me to dress up. If I find some ears that have like lights in them, I could be down. But I'm also not really like looking forward to spending thousands of dollars, you know on a day at the park. I can only assume that if people of such different backgrounds that I just talked to all have like the same love, I mean, and dedication to a brand, there's gotta be something there that I would be into. My assumption is that the two things I'm gonna like the most are the dessert nachos and the cocktails, but you never know. I could be surprised. I just gotta plan a date and I gotta make sure I go with the right People, that's the other thing I was thinking about. I'm like, okay, obviously now I want to go to Disneyland, but do I go with like a Disney adult? Or like Mackenzie said, do I even go solo and just experience the magic by myself? I don't know. If you are a Disney adult, drop me a line and uh, Tell me why. And if you want to watch or listen to um, the extended and unedited versions of some of these episodes, head on over to my Patreon and you can listen and watch there. 